Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 19th episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. In this new moon episode, I'll be discussing veganism. I'll be interviewing Corinne Sutton, a vegan fitness coach and star of the BBC3 series, Veganville. Then I'll be discussing the book I'm reading now, which is The Silver Mind Control Method by Jose Silva. And finally, we'll be experiencing a guided meditation with affirmations for living a conscious lifestyle. But first, let's talk about my own journey with conscious living and veganism. I think I lead quite a conscious lifestyle, although it never was my intention to live the way I do for the planet or for anyone else apart from myself, if I'm totally honest. I just have conscious tastes, I suppose. For example, I'm child-free, so I'm not um, adding to the problem of overpopulation. I know lots of people call themselves, is it birth strikers or something like that? They don't want to reproduce um, for that reason. They think that the world is overpopulated. But for me, I just um, it just hasn't been something that has come on my horizon. But if I did happen to get pregnant and um, buy a fantastic Mars, <laughs> my Mars, um, then maybe I would, I would go along with it. But, um, but for me, it's never been something that I have consciously tried to make happen. I also don't have a car and I never, ever learned to drive. And it's never, it was never on my wish list. And it's easy to actually get around without a car, depending on where you live, of course. I think many places in the world do kind of force you somehow to kind of have a car to be, to be able to get around and just live in general. Um, and in places that don't have, you know, good public, um, transport networks. But where I'm in Barcelona, I live quite central. And I don't actually even need to take public transport. I've not been on public transport now for, well, I'm talking about the underground here, the underground or buses. I haven't taken that for like two years now since before the pandemic. So I, I like that because I, it means I walk everywhere and I can, you know, I think walking is the best way to appreciate distances. And also because I'm working at home all day, I just want to, you know, use walking as a way to stretch my legs and get some exercise. But it wasn't really something that I, um, and also I'm a bit kind of afraid of um, the left and the right because I was brought, born in the UK and obviously people drive on the left there and here it's on the right and, and people are a bit crazy here. And there's lots of motorbikes, lots of, um, I don't even know what they're called in English, but these um, scooters and uh, and bikes now, it's just a bit crazy. I would, really wouldn't want to have that responsibility. And also thinking about the cost of parking, insurance, having a car, it just seems like a big, big headache. I don't really need to have one. And if I need to go outside Barcelona somewhere, then there's, there's all, there are always coaches and, tr and long distance trains. So that's always, always an option. And also I don't eat meat. Um, I'm a vegan, but I haven't eaten meat in 26 years. And I love that. I love the fact that I'm, uh, 
meat free. The other day I was actually in a, a quite a cheap or budget supermarket just to get some water and some toothpaste. And I was looking at the person who was in front of me in the supermarket queue and got to think this is a very cheap place. And I was just looking at all the shopping they had and uh, I was kind of disgusted really. I saw all these, um, this packet in plastic of um, chicken's feet. Oh my God. I don't know how many feet there were. There could have been 10 I don't know, do you call them paws or claws or whatever? But it was just, um, oh my God. And it was only, it only cost one forty-three. I was quite, that was quite disturbing. And also seeing, um, you know, piglets skinned in the freezer. I just think, oh my God. Like I just, um, I've never really seen animals as a food source. I couldn't just look at an animal and say, yeah, you look tasty. Um, it's just not something that, that seemed normal to me. It wasn't really about ethics or the kind of normal reasons why normal, more the typical reasons why people choose not to eat meat is usually the environment, health, or animal rights. And although I, those those things do keep me vegan, but they weren't the motivation behind it. I've just never found meat to be tasty. As a child, I always left it on the side of my plate, much to my parents' despair, but it was um, maybe an instinctive in me never to eat it. And I just thought, ooh, this is horrible. And then when I left home, I just thought there's no way I'm going to actually eat meat and uh, or buy meat and prepare it. And, and then becoming a vegan was very difficult, actually, because I did enjoy many foods that had dairy products and eggs. And it was very difficult to get myself off milk chocolate or um, some ice creams and pizza. I used to really love Dr. Oeka pizzas, actually. But at the time, actually, when I was transitioning to veganism, I moved into an apartment that didn't have an, an oven. And I'm very happy about that because it meant, it meant that I couldn't have any of these frozen pizzas that I used to eat sometimes when I was just working too hard and didn't have time to actually prepare anything healthy. Um, so I'm very, very happy about that. But I know that Dr. Wecker does have a vegan one now and there's a shop near me that sells it. But I'm kind of like trying to resist the temptation because now I'm on a very serious, high protein, low carb vegan diet to, get, get, um, to kind of lose my pandemic kilos and it's actually working. I'm not far off now my 2019 weight, which is fantastic. But yeah, my motivations to go vegan were not um, about any of the three typical reasons. Just a quick reminder, environment, animal rights, or health. It all happened when I, it, well, I started the transition when I discovered some vegan YouTubers and I started to consume vegan content and gradually reduce some of my non-vegan um, products. It was first, you know, getting rid of yogurts. And um, I, I, then I stopped kind of buying um, animal foods. And I just had them sometimes when I went out and about. I was mainly vegan at home, except for those frozen pizzas. And there were two things that kind of kept me, or that kind of prevented me from going fully vegan. And those things were pizzas. And I used to love this uh, Milka chocolate that had the Oreo in Side. So in, in general, in general, like Oreo is actually vegan, but the actual milk chocolate that covered it was just like, I absolutely adored it. And it was those, so I was about 98% vegan apart from those two things. But then one of my family members had a heart attack and that's when I decided to actually, and also I did join the, a vegan club or a vegan group. And I decided that I just couldn't justify having any cholesterol in my diet to seeing that maybe heart disease is in, is in my family. So that was one of the reasons. Um, so you, that I could say, I say, I, I suppose you could say it's health, but also at the same time, I was watching a YouTuber called, um, 
uh, Infinite Waters, Ralph Smart. And I watched him not because he's vegan. I was talking, I was watching his content because of what he, when his videos about spirituality and abundance and especially, uh, especially about abundance. And he always talked about seven day vegan challenge. And I was thinking, what does veganism have to do with abundance? <laughs> I didn't really see the connection, but, um, I had started doing sex magic, um, about three months before I went vegan. And then when I, when I actually went vegan, I started to think about maybe more about the spiritual and energetic, um, reasons to not eat animal food. So that was really my motivation. It was more of a kind of energetic thing, not to absorb suffering and, and pain. And, and I was also becoming disgusted by some of the things about the dairy industry that I was learning about eggs and cheese and stuff. And I was like, oh no, I don't think I can eat that. It just seemed to be just as disgusting as meat to me. And also the ethical side of it as well. Um, about, um, oh, well, I say ethical, but it was more about a, a kind of rejection of like, oh, I don't want that in my body rather than empathy for the animal. Um, but anyway, when I started to actually, when I actually went vegan, it was incredible because, um, I'd been practicing sex magic for three months and all of a sudden, all of these things that I'd been working towards and trying to manifest just started manifesting one after another. And I was just blown away. So then, that, so actually I did end up writing to Ralph Smart, the YouTuber, Infinite Waters and, and actually thanking him for um, his content. Cause I, I started to in, in, in manifest incredible things in, in the abundance sphere, work um, projects and business office that I couldn't even imagine that I'd ever have. It was just incredible. I just couldn't believe it. And I ended up actually clearing all my debts, my student loan in two phone calls. It was just like, wow. And so I do have this, have this association with veganism and abundance. And for me, I just don't think I could go back to uh, cheese and anything like that now. And, and also, um, I think when you make that change, you start just discovering so many foods that you might not be aware of when you, when you don't eat a plant-based diet. And you realize that in actual fact, there are so many more things in the plant world it is more abundant than the meat world for sure. And I'm now eating things that I've never even heard of before. I mean, every time I go to my nutritionist, he's telling me about something else I can have. And I was like, oh my God, never heard of that. For example, my re most recent discovery is lupini beans. They're amazing. So I'm doing a high pre high protein, low carb diet. And these beans are high in, they're, they're full of protein, but they don't have, um, they have quite low carbs because a lot of legumes do have carbs in them. And that's fine and stuff, but I'm not really having, um, those lentils or beans every day, but I'm having them about every other day. But then um, the lupini beans, I've got the, I've got the green light on and. Yeah. So my fridge is full of things that I'd never even heard of maybe five or 10 years ago. And I just, dis I love discovering new things. And I go to a, an organic shop where everything is in season and local, which is another kind of conscious element of my lifestyle. But I do that because I, I love the, the, the appearance of these fruits and vegetables. And also the, um, the taste is just superior, like nothing I've never experienced before. And I often end up buying fruits and vegetables I've never seen before. I've no idea what they are, but because they're in season, I know there's kind of a limited time when they're available and I just can't, cannot, um, recommend it enough. And so as, as a vegan, I think I, all of those things, when I, when I watch, um, footage about, you know, slaughterhouses or, 
um, I don't know, the planet and things like that. Those things keep me vegan or just kind of reinforce my life choice. I just think, oh my God, I just, I mean, and also it's something that's quite interesting about me or quite strange um, compared to most vegans is that I don't consider myself to be an animal lover. I respect animals, but I'm not someone who likes dogs or cats. I don't understand why people have pets, to be honest with you. I can kind of understand the company aspect of it, but that responsibility, I'm not sure how many people are genuinely looking after their animals in the way that they deserve. And, you know, people who sleep with their animals and stuff like that. I'm like, oh my God. Um, I did have an experience a few years ago when one of my flatmates moved out and I had to find another one pretty quickly. And there was a girl that I quite liked. And, um, but the only problem was she had a dog and I was thinking, I hate dogs. How am I going to deal with this? And just the, the experience actually just reinforced everything I thought about keeping animals in a flat, especially with no outside area. And the the, um, I'm, I was going to say the shit hit the fan, when, but it, this is actually, it really happened like this. But one morning I was having my orgasmic breakfast in the fridge and the dog had this diarrhea episode right in front of me. And it put me off my, um, my orgasmic breakfast, as you might imagine. It was just all over the, the kitchen floor. And also my friend was kind of like in a rush going out to work. And then the worst thing is that she got the mop um, that we used to clean the whole apartment to clean it up. And I was disgusted. I was thinking that's the mop that we put all over the house. Oh my God. Anyway, for other reasons, um, me and this girl, we didn't get on, end up getting on that well. And I had to actually end up, I had to actually tell her to leave, which was very uncomfortable. And, but before she left, I mean, the whole house was full of dog hair. So I didn't feel as though I could um, go barefoot. The dog was barking all the time. Every time he heard the lift go up and down. So it was very, very stressful to have that kind of noise because it's very, very annoying just to hear dogs barking. And here in Spain, people are living on top of each other in these apartments. And then someone decides to have a dog and then everyone can hear it. And I can't even tell you how many videos and podcasts I've had to stop and start because of someone's dog barking. And the worst thing is that they're they leave them in the flat all day long while they're at work. And they, I even hear dogs weeping, which does make me a little bit sad, to be honest. But I just don't understand why why you would get a dog. I can understand maybe more in, in if you're living in the country and you, you have a house. It seems a bit more natural. But um, I'm not sure if humans should be living with pets. And also when I was sick with pneumonia, one of the questions the, um, the doctor asked me is, do you have pets? Because I'm not sure how healthy it is to be kissing dogs and then um, the dog's paws that have been out on the, the dirty street, then it's all over your sofa. Oh, anyway, that's another episode. But I'm not, um, the dog culture is something that's increasing as well. It's only getting worse. There are pet shops all over the place. And um, yeah, and I actually went for a, a, a job as, a, as an export salesperson in a dog food company. I didn't, I mean, I didn't have to have any contact with dogs or anything, fortunately. Um, but it was because it's a growing sector and people, many, many people who are not having kids, they're having dogs instead. And the worst thing was I had to go along to this this, this actual office was next to the factory and the stench was absolutely disgusting. Oh my God. And it's the kind of place where you couldn't go on an empty stomach, if you see what I mean. It was that strong. And they even said that, you know, you have to have a good breakfast before you come here because you end up throwing up. It's that bad. And obviously they're eating meat. So, you know, it's not the best meat. 
Oh, anyway, oh my God, oh my God. Yes. So anyway, today I'm really excited to talk to um, to talk to Corinne Sutton about um, veganism because there are many ways to spread the vegan message. And my way is more about, I believe that food is a form of activism. Um, I'm, I'm one of the organizers of Barcelona Vegan Community here and um, we organize events every weekend and I'm very active organizing events and they're mainly in restaurants or maybe we have picnics, but in general it's, it's to meet other vegans and eat. And sometimes people join our group and they're, they're kind of angry that we're not angry enough. And obviously there's many, there are many things to be angry about. But I think the, the positive way of spreading a message through delicious food cannot be underestimated. For example, just yesterday I organized a, um, a meetup and some of the people there were actually vegetarians. So they ate, they ate cheese. And when they tra- tried this vegan cheese made with, cashews and lupini beans, they were blown away. They were like, wow. And also I try to do the same with some of my friends who come and visit me and they try try some of the products that I eat. And they were just, I mean, I had a friend over a couple of weeks ago and I was just letting her sample some of my new discoveries. And she's just like, wow, you know, because people don't really talk about uh, I mean, maybe tempeh or lupini beans in, in the mainstream. So I think that's a kind of more positive way rather than saying, you know, the food you eat, you know how it's made. Do you want to watch a video and see how pigs are slaughtered? I mean, that kind of approach can work with some people. I think different approaches work with different people, but that's not the way I want to spread my message. I want to be, I want to be a good example and I want to share joy and deliciousness with other people. And hopefully when they go to the supermarket, they'll start to incorporate more plant-based deliciousness in their food as well and when they're in their diet and um, gradually eliminate those animal foods. And I do support flexitarians, people who are, you know, re- reducing meat content, um, meat ingredients. Um, I think there's um, any effort should be applauded at the end of the day because it all helps to reduce the carbon footprint of of the planet and help things, you know, help things to stay better for longer and have a happy future for our future generations. I don't think, I think it's very difficult to be 100% vegan for many people. And also the social aspect is difficult in many places. I mean, I'm very blessed here in Barcelona because it's such a fantastic place for veganism and also being part of a big vegan group, having lots of vegan friends. It doesn't really seem to be much of a challenge for me. It's actually, um, quite easy. But then there, there's always those situations where, for example, I'm going to go to this, um, a Toastmasters Congress very soon. And then I'm going to have to fight to make sure I get my vegan food at a gala dinner. So there are always those struggles, but in, in those processes, you end up educating other people about plant-based foods and, um, yeah, through, through delicious food. Anyway, I'm going to be speaking now to Corinne Sutton, and he was part of this incredible, um, series called Veganville. It was a BBC three series. And I was very interested in it because it, um, what they do is they, they took, I think it was five or six, five different vegans with different approaches to veganism. And they put them in a south, in a village or a town in South Wales where it was very much a kind of meat based, um, um, a community based on agriculture. 
And um, I don't think they might, I'm not sure if there are any vegan restaurants there, but it wasn't very vegan friendly, let's say. And they wanted to kind of compare and contrast which approaches worked the best. For example, was it the, you know, showing footage of slaughterhouses? Was it food? And um, Corinne Sutton's actually a bodybuilder. So it's also, it's a very, you know, it's a very positive thing to actually be a living, breathing, good example of veganism. I think that's a very good way to um, spread the message as well, because some people, if they are maybe um, in a kind of more angry state and they're not eating the healthiest food, because veganism doesn't mean you're healthy. There's a lot of junk around. And if you're kind of like angry and complaining all the time, you don't really look that healthy, then I'm not sure if that's going to be inspiring for many people. But whereas for me, I I really try to focus on um, being very healthy. I've just had my blood tests done. Everything is perfect. And also I go to the gym and I'm, I'm gaining strength so quickly. I'm getting to a point where... I'm one of the strongest in, in my resistance training classes, which is just fantastic. And um, especially when people think you need meat for protein, when that's definitely not the case. But anyway, speaking of sport and veganism, let's find out more from Corinne Sutton. Now it's time for this episode's interview. I'm going to be speaking to Corinne Sutton, a vegan health coach and star of the BBC series Veganville. So Corinne, welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast. I'm really looking forward to speaking to you today because I'm also vegan and I'm going through a fitness transit transformation at the moment. So I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot from you. And I wanted to, you, you are a certified sports nutritionist and a vegan fitness and health coach. What inspired you to help others in this way? Um, I mean, it, it all pretty much happened uh, when I was in... I want to say I was in Navy Reserves at the time. I, I served in the military for about eight years, did uh, four years in the United States Marine Corps, uh, fully active service, deployed to Operation Iraqi Freedom, three and four. And then uh, that took a break from that and then joined the um, Navy Reserves and did that for another four years. So when I was in the reserves, I was uh, taking time as well to go to school. And for like a part-time job, I was... I was a personal trainer part time, and when I was in school, I saw the <clears throat> I saw the presentation by Gary Roski of uh, the best speech ever. And if y'all never seen that, um, it's a really good speech. Gary Roski is like a huge animal activist. He's like one of the original OGs uh, out there, and um, he actually came to my school in person, did his spill on veganism and pretty much convinced me uh, in that speech. So once he convinced me, that's when I want, that's when I, mean, I was already doing the personal training part-time, but that's when I kind of thought about it. Like, you know, I think I've been in the, I was in the industry maybe like a year or two years when I heard Gary Roski, but that's when I started thinking about the nutrition portion of it, you know? Uh, because even working for gyms and I had my own clients as well, I didn't, I wasn't seeing significant results. And I was just like a basic beginner trainer, just telling people like, yo, yeah, eat healthy, eat your lean meats, uh, you know, eat your veggies, you know, the basic stuff that I think we all know uh, when it comes to eating healthy, especially on an animal-based diet. But 
when I heard Gary Rosky's speech, I was like, you know, I think I need to focus more on nutrition. There's more to it because I have okay results. I, I mean, I was fine. I wasn't like super crazy or overweight or anything, but I was like, let me, let me put more attention to this. And, and that's when I started going a little bit deeper into, into plant-based nutrition um, because I wanted to explore that. It just enticed me, especially when it came to like the animal ethics uh, point of views, the medical point of views, health reasons, things like that. And it all kind of made sense when he was talking about it, but I wanted to explore it myself. So that's what kind of got me into the whole, uh, especially the whole plant-based nutrition and being vegan, things like that. So was your transition overnight or was it gradual? Uh, it was pretty gra gradual. I mean, first thing I did was went pescatarian first. I did that for a couple of months. But then um, once I found out like a better balance of where I can get my foods from, hold on, let me just uh, close this windows for a while. Inside. But uh, once, once I started um, learning more about where I can get like my protein and how to balance out my meals when it comes to living on a, a more plant-based lifestyle. That's when I started really like taking it in, like, all right, you know, whatever Gary's talking about, I know like on the, and that's what moved me to a pescatarian because of the ethics. But I will, at the same time, I was still on the fence. So I was like, let me just reduce my animal intake. I won't eat any type of animal byproducts because he, he, you know, in the speech, he really pounded on land animals. You know, he really was, he wasn't really uh, going hard on the Marines animals. Yeah. You know? uh, so I was like, let me just cut that out. I'll just consume fish and seafood for protein and just try to get my protein from other sources of plant-based foods and see how that works. And when I was doing that, I saw significant improvements in my in my health, into my aesthetics. I was losing body fat like crazy. My energy levels was getting higher. Um, and when I saw the results from that, by that point, I was like, I wonder if I if if I'm getting all these great results just being pescatarian because about eighty percent of my diet was from plants. I was like, I wonder how how good it would be if I go one hundred percent. And at this point, I, I knew about tofu. I knew about seitan. I knew about uh, tempeh. I knew where to go to the grocery store and get healthy plant-based foods. You know, like I, I was more knowledgeable. So that's when I, I went completely uh, plant-based and I started from there. Oh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. So when people think of a vegan meal, they think of maybe lots of vegetables. And what, what do your typical meals look like? I mean, do you have any? Oh, they evolved, I suppose, over the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, it definitely evolved over time. I mean, I would say in the beginning, it was just like a bunch of Buddha bowls or just going out to restaurants. Uh, when I went vegan, there wasn't that much processed foods. Like Gardein didn't exist. Mm -hmm. uh, the only people that existed was probably Tofurky. Mm -hmm. And they didn't even have all the stuff that they had. They just had like uh, the deli meats. You know, that's all they had at the time. They had no sausages and stuff like that uh, when I first went. So it was pretty much just tofu. And from time to time, maybe the tofurkey because it was uh, I was in college at the time. So I wasn't going to spend eight dollars for 
a couple pieces of deli meats. Like that's how much it was back then. Now it's like $2, you know what I'm saying? Now you can find it for two bucks. But um, yeah, just for a sandwich meat, like a vegan sandwich meat, it was like $8. I couldn't afford that. So it was just a lot of tofu, a lot of rice and beans, you know, mixed vegetables. And even the mixed vegetables were coming out from cans and stuff like that. Um, it was very college life. Let's just say that like anything that was cheap and convenient, I got it, you know, it, I, and because I know some people, when they go plant-based, they try to be like on this purest journey. And then they, in their head, they're like, oh, this is very expensive because like they're trying to do non-GMO and organic everything, but you don't have to go that route if you don't have the budget, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to break your bank. Just do everything that's, um, what is it called? The uh, more conventional, just do the conventional stuff first, even though it has uh, GMOs in it. I mean, I'm telling you, it's a lot better than eating like animal box products. I tell you that, but I did that. And then as I graduated, get, started making more money, that's when my food quality got better as well. So the more money I started making, the more I started reinvesting that money into myself because I was a lot younger too. I was in my 20s when I went vegan. I'm already 37. So, so how, how long have you been vegan for then? How many years? Uh, going, going, on 30, going on 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Because the movement's yeah. changed so much in that time. Yeah, yeah. So like, at, you know, like looking at the past, it, it was like, you know, just very basic, throwing things mm. together. I wasn't even counting macros or anything. I was just eating things that I thought that was healthy. And the more I learned about nutrition, more money I made, I started dialing everything in. Like I started dialing in my nutrition better. I started buying higher quality uh, foods, you know, like more non-GMO and organic foods. And then I just kept going from there. So now I'm at a point where everything's organic. Yeah, Me but too. it didn't start off that yeah, me too. I went completely organic last year and I just thought it was a fantastic thing to do. And, and I, I really enjoy, enjoy the tastes more now. And I'm making mm-hmm. things that I never, I had fennel for the first time of the day. I made a fennel mm-hmm. and zucchini yeah. soup. It was delicious. So I'm really enjoying like seeing these and I'm, I'm buying everything in season and local as well. So it's, it's always a nice surprise to see what's on offer at my local my local shop and I, I always say that people have a dis- self-destruction budget you know for alcohol and cigarettes and like things which are no good for them so i think mm-hmm. you, just, you know transfer that self-destruction budget to the food and it's it's definitely a good investment absolutely absolutely do you have a favorite cheat meal what do you think about cheat meals by the way or cheat days when you're training uh, i don't i don't i don't really have cheat days or cheat meals i mean i'm really big into uh you know counting calories and macros Mm-hmm. And, and that's because for me, I enjoy it because I, I like keeping track of what I'm consuming because I like to know exactly how much nutrients I'm putting into my body. So what I, I really look towards when it comes to my nutrition to hypernourishment, like getting more than what you need, like really, um, you know, getting more like vitamins and minerals and fiber than your body needs. It's just like, just, it's like a hypernourish, just really replenishing the body with all the things it needs. And the reason reason I do that is because I know all the stuff I've done in the past. Like I know like years of drinking alcohol and doing bullshit drugs and <laughs> uh, eating garbage foods, you know, like, uh, you know, process, a lot of processed stuff, uh, things with, you know, I, used to, I grew up on drinking like Kool-Aid and stuff and Freezy Pops, which is just filled with chemicals, dyes and, and sugar, you know, um, 
canned products that's filled with BPAs, you know, cheap chemical byproducts that can, that maybe cleaning the floor with Clorox, with my bare hands, not using gloves, like all these things people don't really take into account when it comes to their health, you know, and all these environmental issues as well, all the stuff that you used to eat in the past don't go away immediately once you go plant-based. A lot of people think like a a 14 day, one month detox is it after years and years and years of eating garbage, animal byproducts, processed foods, and and then you have your environmental toxins as well, you know? So with that's why I count the macros because I'm like, yo, I have to eat very healthy to repair that. And some people don't know that your cells regenerate all for all your cells in your whole entire body to regenerate. It takes over at least seven years. Yeah. So, so like even being vegan for one year, you might reduce some symptoms, but I wouldn't like go on a cheat and stuff until at least you hit the seven year mark. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and maybe it sounds a little extreme, but if you really take things into consideration and then look, and then you do that balance, like, well, Half of my life, I ate trash. How one year eating healthy is going to take place of 15 years of eating, uh, eating crap. You know, when you start weighing that out, then it starts making sense, you know? So that's why I don't really have cheat days. Like if I'm going to have like, you know, like a vegan pizza or a vegan hamburger, I always make sure that first I can fit it within the calories and macros that I can consume. So I don't uh, gain weight and and get fat and unhealthy. And then second, I'm making sure that before I have that burger, I'm able to get a lot of vitamins and minerals and, and uh, nutrients in my body each day. So if I eat that, that process stuff, it's not going to be as effective versus just having a whole day of eating trash. You know what I'm saying? So what kind of macronutrient balance are you working on to, to maintain? I mean, like what's the nutrient balance? So like Percentages? example so so it's it's it's, it varies for everybody you know Mm -hmm. it varies for everybody but you know for example like if you if you're just looking at the wellness side of of being healthy like eating healthy uh, i mean obviously first you want to look at first you want to be eating mostly a whole foods plant-based diet like most of your diet should be coming from whole foods right Mm -hmm. uh things that's from its original state this hasn't been processed. So majority of your diet every single day should be coming from that. Uh, second, food combinations, right? You want to make sure that the foods that you're consuming, you're actually getting nutrients out of it. See, so for example, some people think like string beans is, is healthy, right? Mm-hmm. It is. But if you look at how much nutrients you're getting from string beans, it's not a lot. Really, when you put it, when you write on paper, it's not a lot. Yeah, it doesn't have a lot of vitamin C. Doesn't it's not it's very low in vitamin A. It's not it's not uh, the best vegetable on the planet. Uh, same thing like romaine lettuce. It, it's not the best vegetable on the planet. Yeah, you know I'm saying like it's healthy, but it's not the best. It, it's like you could eat like a whole bowl of salad, and you're 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 not going to get a lot of vitamin C or vitamin A from that, that byproduct. It's just it's not the best vegetable. It's not the highest ranking. So I, that's why I focus more on superfoods like bell peppers, you know, uh, kale, spinach, like things that's just pumped, filled with vitamins and minerals. And then I track that to see how much I'm actually getting to hyper nurse the body. And on my fitness palette, it's going to tell you your daily value. 
So for example, like when someone doesn't know how much fiber they're getting to then just saying eat a high fibrous, uh, just have a high fibrous diet and just saying that, how about know what's your daily value of fiber first? So you can know how high you need to go. Right. Mm-hmm. So for an average person, it's like 30 grams a day. You know what I'm saying? It's not a lot, but if you do up to 30, you already hit your, your daily value. And if you go anything higher, that's just browning points, but you could get to a point where it's so much where it could be too much of a good thing could be bad. Right. So it's like, you could go too much where you're getting like 80 grams of fiber for some people it won't bother them. For most that might have indigestion and bloating, you know, and then they're holding a lot of water as well. So this is why you track. So you can see what's how your body reacts to everything, you know? So it gives you more state of mind versus like, Oh, because you probably heard this yourself. I went vegan. I did this plant-based but I was bloated all the time. You know, I was home wash. So I, I went back to meat because when I eat meat, I wasn't bloated. Like, and so like, of course, because meat has no fiber. Of course, you're not going to be bloated. But maybe on a plant-based diet, your food combinations wasn't built right. And you were just eating tons of rice and beans, right? That ha- That's very high in fiber. And you're trying to get your protein from the rice and beans, which created the bloating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, if you were tracking that, you can see where, what was the limit of all that rice and beans that made you blow. It gives yeah, you the answers, you know? Yeah, it's incredible. I track my food as well on um, chronometer and I really recommend it to anyone because you, you think you're eating healthily stuff because it's maybe whole foods, whatever. But you don't really know if you're getting everything. And I like to see after lunch what, what the score is to see what I need to have for dinner to kind of get a full, yeah. a full score, you know? And I, I love doing that. And I actually am. Um, I used to be able to eat whatever I wanted and and not really ca- not really care um, about the weight. And then the pandemic happened. I think a lot of people. Uh, I'm living here in Barcelona, so we weren't allowed to leave the house. There's a lot of paranoia. We weren't allowed to go one more than one kilometer away. So I spent the whole time at home, and then I was eating more because eating became more of an important ritual. <laughs> So I kind of gained about eight kilos with the uh, with the pandemic. And I was also sick in hospital last year, a year ago with pneumonia and COVID. And all the doctors were saying, because you're vegan. And, and I was actually having anemia as well because I was very sick. I was on a drip and everything. So when I came out of the hospital last March, I was in, on a mission to get really healthy and get my iron back to normal. And I did it. Manage, I managed to do it with um, nutrition. And then I went organic. But then I've got this extra extra weight. And then I started going to the gym in April and I was doing everything I could. Um, but then nothing was really happening to my body. I was getting stronger. So the last, last two months, I've been going to a vegan nutritionist and I'm doing a high protein diet, which is about 100, um, 100 ke- um, grams of protein per day. So I'm doing about 30, 35 grams per meal and um, two to three sources per meal and um, kind of low, no starches. I'm really enjoying this new way of eating. It's really interesting to kind of, if you feel fuller, which is an incredible diet, really, because I mean, you think of diets, you think of restriction and small plates, but I'm just really enjoying it. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. And I'm doing some um, resistance training about three times a week as well. And I'm doing these uh, videos with clothes just to see, because that's the real measurement, because the, the weight on the scales doesn't really change too much when you're just kind of doing a, a recomposition. True, true, true. Are you measuring yourself with a measuring tape too, as well? 
I have done, but it's usually the clothes because I, I found that after the pandemic, yeah. I was living in a hoodie and, and jogging bottoms. And then I tried to put my old clothes on. And it's like, oh, nothing's closing. So I'm just I'm doing a, a video with the yeah. same clothes every month just to see how they start improving. But it's very oh, frustrating, okay. this whole situation. I guess a lot of people have been in the same situation with them, um, you know, weight gain and the, and the pandemic. And I've already eliminated all the bad things from my diet for many years now. So there's nothing mm. else to eliminate, you know, with... Um, you know, with alcohol, that's that's not been in my life for seven years, or meat, not not having eaten meat for twenty six years, so it's very uh, kind of difficult when you've kind of eliminated all the vices and then <laughs> you're left with fat. Yeah. Do you have any any tips about getting rid of body fat or like, especially when it's plant fat? <laughs> um, when it comes to body fat, I mean, the simple rule of thumb is really to be in a caloric deficit, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to burn more, you have to burn more calories than what you're actually consuming. So the key thumb, the rule of thumb is that whatever you're eating now and you're trying to lose body fat and you still see that you're stuck in the plateau, more likely you're not in a deficit, right? So this is why I I really push like counting macros and your calories. I don't just say just calories, just uh, your macros and calories. You want to do both because you want to make sure you're getting a a balanced plate, a balanced meal. into your into your diet all the time and it's a good training tool to learn how to build balanced meals especially when it comes to being in that caloric deficit and you can know if you are in a caloric deficit if you're if you're tracking like i know there's coaches out there that doesn't track and they promote that as well Uh, but the only thing i have against those coaches is that i feel like it's a slower approach you know uh that's number one because they're trying to teach you how to do intuitive eating uh, which is fine, but I think it's more uh, slower and it's more like emotional. You know, they're they're going through a lot of devices that that individual has because some people do have like eating disorders and things like that. So I see like from that perspective, it's good. But if you're just trying to go there because um, you know you just want to eat whatever you want without trying, I'm going to tell you firsthand it's it's just a slower approach and it's an approach that's not going to really give you the results that you want, especially if you want it fast, you know? So if you want like fast results, I highly recommend counting your calories and macros so you can know, first of all, how much you should be eating. And then that could be a guide or a tool so you can start learning how to build balanced meals. And then from there, uh, the best tip I could give everyone is be consistent. Like the only way you know something's going to work is being consistent. So if you're supposed to eat like 1500 calories, you can't just do it for three days and then get tired of that and then give up, right? Or or do it for one month and then give up. You have to, I mean, not one month, but one week and then give up. You have to give it at least one month of eating the foods that you're supposed to be eating consistently to the T every day for a month. That's when you're going to see results, you know? And and if, if you're not seeing results, that's when I highly recommend getting professional. Truthfully, I feel that getting professional should be the number one thing. <laughs> you know, like don't even try guessing and doing it on your own. I think I think when you guess to try to do everything on your own, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. Um, I'm a type of person that really looks into professional help when I need it. I don't really try to do everything on my own if I know I don't have the knowledge. Yeah, it's just a waste of time. Google is very misleading. Sometimes having too much access to information can be misleading because you go down this rabbit hole and then what ends up happening is that you're just confused and lost. Yeah. Uh, so I highly recommend like getting professional 
and then find a professional that that you want to correlate your lifestyle to. So if you see someone who counts macros, but their testimonials and stuff looks amazing and you want to have an amazing body like those testimonials, then maybe that's the person you want to go to. If you see someone who doesn't count macros and, you know, you, you like their style, you like their personality, go with them. You know, if, if it's someone who promotes juicing and you feel that, you know, if you do these juices or detox and you're going to be, it has to be your lifestyle. So when I say this is like, because there's some vegan gurus out there that pushes this stuff. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I think it's just a load of crap, but like, if you, if you want to be a juice person and, and just eat juice, drink juice all day, you have to make sure if you're doing that detox and doing the juice diet, that that's something that you can adopt as a lifestyle, you know, don't fall. Like, again, it takes seven years for your, all your whole entire body to regenerate. It's all the cells. So doing a 30 day detox, eight week detox, isn't going to cut it unless you're someone who's so obsessed with juice and you want to be, you want, you want to adopt that as a lifestyle. That's when you're going to start seeing results and you're going to see sustainable results. Cause what you, most people do is they do the juicing they hear all the, you know, the hoorah about the juice and eating clean and all the stuff. And it should take out the parasites and all that stuff. And then next thing you know, they do it, you know, and then eight weeks down the road, they lose about 20 pounds, 30 pounds. And then they eat back the same garbage that got them to gain the weight again because they don't have any idea. They don't have no roadmap what to do next. And they're tired of drinking juice all day. So they gain all the weight. So I would say find someone, if you're going to use someone that you can adopt it as a lifestyle, whatever practice that they're promoting, make sure that's something that you could say, like, I like that. I like that style and it's something I could do for a very long time or for the rest of my life. If you yeah, say absolutely. I can't do it, then you're going down the wrong path and you're you're buying snake oil, literally. They're, just because people are vegan and they love animals doesn't mean they don't love money too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. so many different approaches to um, weight loss and your objectives because for me, I just love um, like the strength. I saw this meme a few years ago. It was really funny. It said like the sofa ass compared to the silicon ass the yoga mm -hmm. ass and the squats ass. And, and I, I like the squats ass because it's like a more kind of stronger body, you know, rather than the skinny. You mean like the butt? You yeah. Mean the butt? Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's like, it's all these it was like the sofa, like, it's really big, like and the silicone, like, you know, Kardashian style. And then you no know, yoga, which is like quite bony and small and petite. And then the kind mm -hmm. of squats ass. And I'm like, yeah, I want the squats ass. So I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I don't think juicing all day is going to really make <laughs> that kind of ass. Because I mean, people want to juice and, and then just like, you know, eat really light food or something, maybe fruitarians, they might be want to lose volume and just not have that much muscle mass. But I, I like being strong, you know, and I also went up before the pandemic, I used to wear my vegan t-shirt at the gym because I'm, I love body pump. And I was also a lot of stronger than the guys there, which is mm -hmm. interesting. So I saw, um, I saw a vegan bill a few years ago and I watched it again last night with your part in it. Oh, cool. And it's, it's so interesting to see you know, these different perspectives on how to spread the message because, you know, some people will go down the kind of angry activist route which doesn't doesn't um well obviously different different approaches work with different people but i really love your approach about being a really good example that's a really kind of positive example mm -hmm. you know i think it's a really Most definitely. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean i mean when it comes down to the approaches of veganism yes yeah, there's many many play many ways you can do it um 
you know, I, I, I won't say like the aggressive route doesn't work because like if you watch Scary Roski, he's pretty aggressive, you know, yeah. but, but I'm a pretty aggressive dude. I came from a pretty aggressive background. I was in the military for eight years. You know, I spent majority, a good part of my life in a very stressful and, and um, you know, very, very stressful environment. So like I'm used to that aggressiveness. And if someone's trying to convince me of something, you, you need to be aggressive. I don't want you like, I don't want that compassionate yoga, tree hugging stuff. Like, I don't want that stuff. I, like to me, I, when, even when I hear it now, if I hear someone who's happy, go lucky, tree hugging, yoga, meditation stuff, it doesn't impress me because I've, it's just my background. I came from a place where I was in war, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like I was, I was trained to be a killer, you know, not some monk. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So it's like when you talk to me in that particular manner, it's not going to convince me. But if you're coming to me like how Gary did, like, hey, cows get their slit, their throat slit and their blood and their blood comes out while they're hang hanging upside down and they're still alive and able to watch that blood hit the freaking kill floor. Now you got my attention. Become like, damn, are you serious? Because the first thing my mind is connecting to is what if that was a person? You know, and I've, I've seen people die in war. I've seen how bad it gets. I've seen the, the worst size of human beings. Yeah. You know? So for me, when I see that type of relation, it, it connects to me a, a way faster. And it means very, it, it's, it has more weight to it because I know like when it comes to war, people killing each other, violence, all that stuff, just from the experience, it's not good for nobody. No one really wins in this, in these type of situations. You know, even if you, even if you declare like, yeah, U.S. won versus Iraq, did it? Look at how many American soldiers have PTSD. Oh yeah, kill themselves, yeah. suicide. You know what I'm saying? Did we really win? Yeah, did we really win? I don't know because a lot of my friends is all jacked up in their mind. So you how could, could you have been vegan in the military? Yeah, you could, you could be vegan in the military. Uh, there's a guy called Bill Burr. Uh, he wrote this book called vegan strong uh -huh. right and, and uh he he was in the let me see he was in the army yeah as a, a combat medic and he actually deployed to uh i think i believe it was like Dev, desert storm back in the days and i think he he's a japan now living and i think he also did uh i think he did uh i think that the desert storm but for sure, he did the 9-11 thing. I'm, I might be wrong on that. Mm. I'm just trying to really read the back really fast. Mm. But um, he was vegan in the military. Uh, like, and he, he in this book, he talked about ways how he was able to go vegan. And this was like, before, he was vegan before me. So I couldn't even know. I know it was even more difficult back then because even the PXs, um, PX is a public exchange. It's like, it's like a grocery store where you can buy food. They didn't even have like vegan stuff or be that many vegan options. So he really had to do a lot of things to uh, be vegan. When I was when I went vegan, I was in the reserve. So it's part time. So I always had access to regular stores to get my vegan food. Uh, but it is possible. I mean, I have, I have students who's in my program who are in the military um, and they're deployed all around the world. Some of them actually even deployed while training under me and we were able to make it work, you know, um, especially now because there's so many options and they're, 
there's so many things that we can replace, like when it comes to, for example, MREs, which is meal, um, meal, what they're called again, uh, the initials, like meal rations, mm-hmm. something. I, I forgot. It's been so long, but like, it's been like 20 years since I was in the military, but like uh, it's food rations, you know, but we were able to find ways to replace certain meals in those food rations that they could take out to deployment, to field operations, things like that. That will survive without refrigeration because that's that's the biggest thing about those MREs. And when you're doing like field operations or deployments, um, you're going to be literally living off of that because you can't. You more like if you're in like a combat unit and you're out there, uh, you're not going to have a chance to eat hot food. You're going to be eating a lot of packaged, processed, uh, very, very highly processed foods. So we find alternatives that they can do out there during those training events, you know? So it, it is, it's very possible, especially when it comes to field ops, because that's, that's the biggest hurdle is that not, not when they're like at home in the rear on base, like it's, it's easier now. Yes. It's going back to like going, being an example of the message. I really believe that, I mean, for me, my fitness journey or what I was before the pandemic, I, um, the veganism part actually is an extra motivator for me. Because I really believe that it, not not just about how you deliver the message with words, but just like being an example. Like um, sometimes when I used to go with a vegan T-shirt to the gym and I'm really lifting heavier weights than some guys who are like a lot younger than me. I, I just think that's really powerful. You know, I'm not quite there at the vegan T-shirt level yet, but I will be <laughs> when I feel like um, I'm getting stronger. But it's a really because I feel like I feel like it's an extra motivator. It's not just about looking good or health. I feel like I'm I, my body's a, a canvas for the message. You know, mm, yeah. where some people don't look healthy at all and they don't focus on health. And I think that's great just to think of animals. But if you're not looking healthy, people are not going to be so con- some people might not be so convinced that, that you're on the right path. You know, because I do think I do think that food is a form of activism. And that's why the vegan feel thing was very interesting, because I have um, a social vegan group here in Barcelona. We're nearly 3000 people and we do events. Yeah. Every, we, we do events every weekend. And I'm one of the organizers. We don't not 3000 people, but we do. Um, events in restaurants about 20 people at a time and then some other people will be like um angry with that we don't do enough activism or, or that we don't do vigils or they don't do other things and i just think you know vegans they can never agree on the best way of um, but i do believe that some people who come along and they're not vegan they're trying some food and like oh that's delicious maybe i don't need to to eat um cow cheese i can get cashew cheese instead so i think it's a, there are many ways to uh spread that message without being like tree hugging or you know yeah, i mean yeah, I mean, even the tree hugging approach works, yeah. you know, like <laughs> I'll wait for I'm, someone. I'm yeah. just talking about myself, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But like, you know, like uh I'm not I'm not trying to demonize that that yeah. approach, but it, it's just like it's for me, you know, for mm. me. And I know so, for, there's other people out there that that can resonate to that, you know. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right when it comes to everything else. Like I when it comes to activism, me, I feel like that's why I'm in, in the field of health and wellness, because I feel like it's a great place for activism. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people want to learn what they need to eat. I think everyone plays this part and it kind of it, it kind of works in a more centigenic way. And that's one of the reasons why I really like Veganville, because it was more of a centigenic way, not so much like like what the health wish, which was just like pure facts and science, mm-hmm. which is great, you know, but. Um, it's only one view, you know, and then you had game changers, which was just oh, one amazing. View. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it's good, you know, but it was one view, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just like sports and athletics, one view, you know, uh, what the hell, medical and science, one view, you know, they all played a part, you know, there's a conspiracy and more activist point of view, you know, showing you like animals dying and stuff like that. That's one view there. But with Veganville, it was like we had the activists, we had the foodie, we had the athlete, and then we had, um, I don't want to know they're <laughs> like, I guess like the normal person. I don't know. <laughs> like, but like, yeah, it was good, but we all played our part. You know, we yeah. all played our part. It showed how all the vegans work together and how, you know, we kind of collaborated to make, make a whole documentary and, and show just different scenarios. And that's how, that's why Veganville did so well, because people liked it because of the mm-hmm. diversity. It was one of the few documentaries that um, had that type of diversity versus just ha- having one particular point of view. You know? That's amazing. There's another, another one on, um, in the, from the UK called Meet the Family. Have you heard of that one? It's like Meet with M-E-A-T. And it was, um, they take some families, like really meat eating, like unhealthy families, and they give them an animal to look after for uh, several weeks. And at the end, they have to decide if they're going to send it to a sanctuary or eat it. What? It's so oh, interesting because yeah, um, yeah. because during that process, I mean, there's some chickens, there's some piglets, and they have them in the garden. The kids are really happy. They give them names, and they become mm. very attached. And I remember one, one family, they had, they're watching all this slaughterhouse stuff. They were crying. They were all like, oh. And then... Um, but they couldn't get on board with eating delicious food. And they had a big party for friends, and the friends were like, going to get, you know, some takeaway on the way home, because I, I, that's why I think food is still important. So you don't feel like you're making a sacrifice because food is a really basic thing. And, and these a dairy is so addictive. It took me six years to go from vegetarian to vegan because of just dairy addictions. You know? <laughs> it was really hard. And it's actually Freely who made me go vegan from the, all, all the talk about the, the disgusting things about dairy because I was already kind of like not yeah. eating flesh anyway there's so many things I didn't know and I was just like oh I was disgusted by it but it took um a family heart attack in my family to kind of like make me go okay no more cholesterol and it was that was it it was decided mm-hmm. and ever yeah. since there's no way I would even be tempted by anything like that now so I found amazing yeah. things like cashew cheese or there's so many other things you know to to, to enjoy so um uh, so do you know um, about the rest of this stuff with veganism? Um, do you know any like good vegan sports shoes? Because I'm trying to find some. Do you know any good vegan sports brands? Because I mean, yeah, um, yeah. I, mean I, I mostly wear a lot of Nikes. So uh, a lot of Nike shoes, you know, are vegan. Uh, then you also have uh, some vegan vegan shoe companies like mm-hmm. on Instagram. So one one I look for is like Fessy. So they do a lot of like casual walking type shoes. Um, they're also waterproof too on top of that. So it's like, uh, I use them a lot uh, because it's just so comfy and, and just, I don't know. It's just, uh, I just love Bessie. And then uh, also I use, let me see, Steve, I think Steve Madden's shoes. Oh yeah, they're vegan. Oh, they're making vegan. Yeah. Wow. No, they have a lot of vegan shoes. Yeah, vegan, yeah. Steve Madden. And then also uh, now, now in my new collection of shoes, Gucci. So Gucci oh, started wow. making uh, some vegan shoes, like the high high fashion designer brands. Uh, a lot of them are are adopting some uh, vegan stuff. So like I, I'm I'm getting some of that too. I already have some, but like yeah, you know, you can do those as well. So those those are some of my favorites. 
Oh, that's amazing. It's the hardest part, actually, is the shoes, I think. So what about um, protein then? That's the biggest question that people ask. Where do you get your protein from? Do you, um, what kind, do you have any a favorite type of protein powder? Uh, favorite protein powder would be mm-hmm. this one here mm-hmm. by uh, Clean Green Protein. Mm-hmm. So this is by Clean Machine. Mm-hmm. And some of the benefits of this is that um, it's one of the few proteins, I think the only protein that's not isolated. So uh, not that there's anything wrong with isolated proteins. It's just that when you do get, uh, when you do consume an isolated protein, that's all you're getting is that. You're just getting the protein and that's it. Uh, if you're getting any other stuff like vitamins, minerals, um, branched chain amino acids, that's kind of syn- synthetically added to the protein. You know, it's not coming from an actual plant source. And even if it is, it's, it's highly processed. Like it's, it's a lot of extraction and stuff that they do to get those vitamins and minerals. Uh, with, clean, with clean green protein, uh, they use a superfood called lentine. So uh, it's not highly, it's not a popular superfood, but it's one of the strongest superfoods that's out there. And all the vitamins and the minerals, the fiber, even the protein, you're getting it majority from this plant itself you know, and it's not processed. So, and there's no isolated ingredients. So uh, you're, you get all those benefits from the plant itself. uh, All they do is just uh, dehydrate it, grind it, and then boom, put it into a powder form. And then you're also getting, um, well, not getting, but when it comes to clean machine and just the quality of the product, there's no fillers, no chemicals, no artificial flavors. So it's going to be like one of the cleanest proteins you actually get. Yeah, that especially when it comes to being in the market. So that's that's like my favorite protein powder. Yeah. I'm gonna check it out. So what about oil? Because a lot of people demonize oil, cooking with oil. What do you think? Cooking with oil. Um, I mean, when it comes to cooking with oil, I feel that with moderation is fine. You know, I use spray oil, you know, mm-hmm. so I use spray and I use the spray can that has no uh chemicals or propellant in it. So they started making those now. So you can get that and kind of, it's, it, I think it's just kind of pressurizing because when you shake it, there's no, you can't really shake it. You just press it and it just shoots out. Uh, so because there's no propellant. So um, I think it's just like kind of pressurizing and you just use it like that. So I just, I just use, I use olive oil because mm-hmm. it is a healthier type of oil to use while cooking, but it, I use the spray. So it's just mm-hmm. enough to lubricate the pan so nothing really sticks. And I use like an iron still. So nothing sticks. And I use that. Um, and then anything else that's oil based is really like supplement form, like ahi flower oil. You know, I take this for like my omega three, six to nines. So it's really my oil intake is very controlled and it's very, very uh, minute. So it's, it's very minimized. I'm not like pouring a bunch of olive oil on a salad and stuff like that. I think if you're doing stuff like that, and especially if you're not tracking, like this, again, this is where tracking comes into play because if you're, you mean, you could be doing like a lot of salad dressings or just adding a lot of oil into all your foods and you're kind of doing it just like intuitively, this is where people could have issues when it comes to processed oils, because you have to think about it. Oil is, is processed and it's fat. And when you consume these uh, products, and you consume too much of it, 
what happens to it when it enters your body it just is fat so if it's if you're consuming something that's highly processed and it's in an oil base liquid form it's just going to metabolize into body fat a lot faster so you know fat is fat so yeah you know okay a couple of quick questions um what is the book that changed your life um there there's really no book that really changed my life uh, i know the first book i've read was vegan bodybuilding and fitness by robert sheet so that was one of the first books i've read that gave me the confidence that you can be an athlete and be a bodybuilder on a plant-based diet so that 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 was definitely good for reinsurance um so i highly recommend people who wants to get into the at, uh, athletic field uh, they, they just want to read like literature about that uh, definitely look up Robert Sheet because he does a lot of literature on health and wellness, uh, especially in the fitness industry. He's really big on that. Uh, but he he was one of the first authors I've read and actually met when I went oh, wow. vegan. And then after that, uh, I would say if you want like scientific literature, this is probably what uh, boosts up my knowledge when it comes to being vegan, which is uh, by Dr. Michael Greger, How Not oh, yeah. to Die and How to uh diet so um these are huge reads you know like very very huge reads as you can see like these books are humongous and the second volume i have it here is just as big uh probably you know, a tad bit bigger but the best thing about this book it, it tells you everything every single food that you can think of that's scientifically proven that can prevent and reverse diseases so um when when you read these things and you can read it, you can get the audio book or just follow or do both. Like I did both and just follow along and highlighted uh, important parts. But um, if you read these books, like that's really going to boost up your knowledge in nutritional science. So when people come to you about like some nonsense, like you can, you can, <laughs> you have a, a strong rebuttal. Oh, let's yeah. just say a very strong rebuttal. I so. interviewed him last uh, two years ago about, plant-based diets and sexuality because people don't talk about that very much, but it's uh, very linked. You know, we saw that in the game changes. So it's a, it's an amazing conversation. So what about the um, phrase or affirmation or quote that you live by? Do you have one? Um, the only one I, only, I mean, I could tell you my business one. It's just like, uh, <laughs> I don't even know that one. It's like, it was only one of your YouTube <laughs> subscriptions. It was on your YouTube description. You had a sentence. What was it? Live vegan. Oh, be vegan, live fit, live forever. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a quote. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I mean, I don't, want, I don't want to say I'll live by that. I mean, it's, it's a good quote, but like, <laughs> but like, and it's true. Like, yeah, you want to be vegan, live, live life, live life and be fit forever. Yeah, I mean, it is a good quote. I guess you could say I live, live by it in, in somewhat, some, some type of terms. Yeah, you know, I so guess about veganism and, and, and masculinity because um i was in, it's interesting when you when you met those other bodybuilders and um that guy you said had 42 chicken breasts in a in a in a week mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's kind of like that's just made me kind of throw up a bit it's just disgusting to imagine that in your body you know like 42 animals so do you think that well, there's a lot of complex or people don't understand it or they think that you have to eat meat to be masculine have you found that people don't understand it um that's that's the problem it's just that people don't understand it if we're using veganville for an example and that his name was connor um like with him and especially that type of town is it's a big farm community mm. so 
meet is like a big norm. That's why I was filmed there because it wasn't just a regular place. It was like a farming community where eating meat is literally life. Like it's mm-hmm. life. It's, it's like, it's because it wasn't just like big factory farms and stuff. This You're talking about generations. It's generational wealth that you're talking about. I mean, we, we were seeing like people, farmers that was like seventh generation. Yeah. Wow. So like this is, this is things that's been passed on from one family to another. So when it came to the arguments, it was very, very, very hard because you can tell there's a true emotional connection. But even if we rebuttal with those individuals, we can get between the cracks, but we could see that they kind of deflect it and avoid them. You know, they avoid mm-hmm. it because it, it was just so deep and so penetrated where it was like, no, well, my family did it this way and that's it. You know, once you get to that point, that's when, you know, like, yeah, you're pressing them against the wall, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes down to the meat, it's really conditioned, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of conditioning. They're just not really aware. Uh, but I, I did have, it, there were some things that the Veganville cut, a lot of stuff that Veganville cut. There were so many things. Oh, wow. Uh, you can only imagine because like, <laughs> you know, but it's for TV. I get it. But like we, there were so many more things we've done in that, in that town that was, it just didn't make it on TV. I wish they did like an uncut where they show oh, wow. like little things. I thought, I think that would be cool if they did that. But um, I did have to talk with Connor and his, and his wife. And I just told them like, look, like you're a bodybuilder, right? You really, I could see you really like this stuff, but I told him the reality. I'm like, look, this sport, a lot of people don't live that long in this sport, you know, people live up to their fifties and 60 and then they, they die. Uh, even now people are dying even earlier. People are dying in their mid twenties and thirties now in bodybuilding. Uh, does the drugs, illegal drugs oh, yeah, play yeah. a role in that? Of course. Yeah. Of course it does. You know, uh, it, I guarantee it, but also the diet as well, you know, because if you're doing the illegal drugs with the food, you have to eat more. So the recovery can match up with the drugs that you're taking. Cause when you take those drugs, it's like your body is like, like super saying, it's like you're putting a, a supercharger in your body, you know, like everything works 10 times faster and a natural athlete can never match up to someone who's taking illegal substances, you know what wow. I'm saying? So huge ego hope. thing, isn't it? It's like wanting to be bigger and better. And yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's, it's ego, body dysmorphia, like, like actual mental issues. Like it's a lot of stuff. Uh, mm. There's a, there's a big dark side in the sport, you know, mm. uh, you don't have to go down that road. Like with me, I, I didn't go down that road just because I know like for me, it's just for fun. Like, I just want to show people you can be, fit and healthy on a plant-based lifestyle. That's it. I'm not trying to be Mr. Olympia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even when people accuse me for taking illegal substances, I take it as a compliment and come like, if you think I'm taking it, you need to see the people I'm going against because wow. <laughs> some of those guys are just ridiculous. But what going back to Connor, I told him that, you know, first you got all the illegal drugs and stuff that can, you know, and I, I'm not going to say if he was or wasn't, I, it's questionable. I'll just say that. Right. But but because I don't want to accuse him for anything. Right. But I would say it's questionable because it is a sport of bodybuilding and it's it's just known that it's highly used. Right. But on the second hand, I kind of told him when it comes to the meat, you're eating more than the average person. Mm. Because see, in your mind, 
you feel you're healthy because you're, you're shredded, you're ripped, you got muscles, you look good, right? But what about all the foods that you're eating uh, and processing versus someone who's not healthy? Someone who's not healthy is just because their, their meals aren't balanced. Yeah, there's junk food involved in that, but most of it is just because of inactivity, mm. you know what I'm saying? Versus someone like you, you're, you're, you have activity level, but the quality of food you continually putting into your body to recover is filled with saturated fat, high cholesterol. And I've seen many people, even and I told them, I've seen many people, even in my, in my program who came into this, who came to me, who wanted to transition from an animal-based diet to a, uh, a vegan diet or a plant-based, uh, a vegan lifestyle or a plant-based diet. And they had all these issues and they're healthy from mm -hmm. the outside. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, just because you look good from the outside doesn't equate of how your body is operating from the inside. But they must yeah. have been really impressed with you because you looked like better than everyone else in that um, lineup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the judges told me that. And even though I got disqualified because I don't know if they even said that in the show, I don't remember, but I got disqualified because I wasn't from Wales because. Oh yeah. You got a special mention or something or special. Yeah, yeah, it's like a participation yeah. award, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's too good, too good. <laughs> <laughs> Which was good, but like they, the judges just tell me that I was the best one. They said if you if you were from here, you definitely would have won. Uh, you would definitely be, been first place. You had the best physique, but because I wasn't, they they couldn't like you know bend the rules for yeah. the people there. Uh, which makes sense because there's mm. that's how it is in certain sports, you know. So I, I'm just happy they let me go on stage. Yeah, you know? I didn't waste my time, but um, but I did have that conversation with Connor. I could tell it resonated. You know, did he do it? No, he didn't do it. But I know at the time, it did resonate because it was he didn't have a rebuttal after that, and his wife started crying. Oh wow. Yeah, because they, they, they were looking at the she was looking at sport like, oh, you know, my husband, he's gonna do great, da, 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 you know. But when I told her about this dark side, I was like, you know, like the sport isn't isn't all you know rainbows and unicorns, man. Like, you know, you have pressure to on the heart what you're consuming, mm. you know. Yeah. So I just put it into that fashion. And I was like, that's why I do it plant-based, like because what I'm eating more vegetables, like mm. No one died eating too many broccolis, not yeah. yet. So I'm like, so I'm like, that's why I rather if I'm doing this sport, I rather do it in the most healthiest way possible. It's gonna be great yeah. if you're doing this at 30, in 30, 40 years, you'll be the only one around. Like that's 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 I mean, right now, I mean, that's the goal. I mean, I know mm -hmm. eventually I would have to retire sometime just because I don't know, I, I it could be just a mental thing. I might be just psyching myself out. But I just feel that, you know, doing so much hypertrophy, I don't know how long that can go, how much, mm -hmm. how much the body can take just physically, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you have aging uh, that's there, you know, so I don't know how much of an impact that will play uh, when it comes to the resistance training. Uh, so, so um, I think that would be the only thing that would make me retire if I just can't keep up with the resistance training and the lifts anymore. Because I already have my backup plan is just go back into functional training, you know, things mm -hmm. that's more mobile and, um, you know, more functional and yo and doing more yoga, you know, like that's my backup plan. Like I, I told mm -hmm. myself, like, I want to be, if, if I retire out of the sport and I grow old and get to like, you know, eighties, 90, hundred 
time frame, like for sure, I'm not doing bodybuilding at that point. Cause I think just my body and also mentally, I might just be tired of it. I'm like, who well, I'm going to show my body off anymore. <laughs> right. And I was like, I was just like, I just want to be wearing all white and be like a, a yogi or something. Like that. That. <laughs> yeah. <Treat> like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on my Instagram. I'm mostly on there at Corinne Sutton. Uh, also Facebook, you can find me there as well. And then you can always go to my website at bodyhdfitness.com uh, for like programs. If you're interested in programming, customized meal plans, things like that. And as well, uh, you can email me at Corinne Sutton at, at bodyhdfitness.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Corinne. It's been a lot of information and uh, I'm really excited now. I'm motivated to carry on with my, my transition and journey. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, just don't quit. That's the only thing. No, I'm no. Two stop. months. I'm doing my uh, month to um, update video on Friday, like tomorrow. Yeah. So that keeps me accountable, you know. <laughs> Perfect. Definitely. That's good. Okay. Well, thank you so much and keep up All the right. work. <laughs> bye. All right. Cool. Thank you for having me. I'll thank talk you. to you soon. Take Peace. care. Bye. The book I'm reading now is The Silver Mind Control Method by Jose Silva. I have the pocket edition in my hand, and this was first published in 1978, and it sold millions and millions of copies, and it's been incredibly successful over the years. I'm looking at Amazon right now, and there are 1,705 positive reviews. Well, most of them are positive, maybe like 8% or something, 80% or something like that. This book has also inspired many of the Mind Valley courses. If you don't, if you are not familiar with Mind Valley, it's like a Netflix of personal development. And there are many, many techniques that talk about the silver mind control method. It's basically a type of meditation. And the objective is to access parts of your mind that you're not really using at the moment. And I find that to be an incredibly powerful, empowering notion. Also, I have a very good friend of mine who actually did this course, or she used this method to actually manifest her partner. So it was a very like, it was exactly the person she was hoping for. And I was thinking, mm, I'm going to try some of that. So I'm just started the book. And also um, I was inspired to buy it because I've heard these great stories from Mind Valley, from um, my friend who's manifested a fantastic relationship. And also recently in the book club that I'm a part of here in Barcelona, someone else was telling me wonderful things about it. So right then and there, I thought I'm going to buy it right now because I'm a bit kind of, uh, I like to listen to the signs of the universe. And I think if you're hearing that something's good from three um, places, it's, it's kind of like time to listen to those, how would you say, that? oh, that stimuli. I like to pay attention to these signs, let's say. Anyway, I'm still right at the beginning of the book, so I don't have any fantastic things to tell you about it. But it's suggested to kind of read the mid chapters from chapter three all the way through before going back again and revisiting the exercises. Um, because I'm not doing any of the exercises at the moment, I'm just going to read it all, all the way through. And that's one of the advantages maybe of doing this method on a video course, because it's a bit more visual and you can just stop and start the video as you want. Um, that's how it is on the Mind Valley platform. And um, one thing I have read so far that really um, resonates with me 
is about um, accessing these part of your minds in a sober state. Because I think a lot of people that I know, especially in the spiritual communities here in Barcelona, they tend to like um, plant medicines and psychedelics and stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that, but those things do not really call me. And I just think sobriety is such a powerful thing and, and accept, or accepting your reality, not needing to take anything is just really, really powerful. I do believe that you can access um, hidden parts of your brain or your mind without taking any drugs because meditation is very powerful if you actually, if you are experienced and the more you meditate, the more experienced you can become in it and you can have these incredible experiences, having downloads from the divine or having kind of like cosmic experiences. I've had a lot of um, cosmic orgasms through my sex magic practice, which is um, using orgasm to manifest. Um, so I, I do believe a lot in, uh, in these, in, in that you can do similar things, um, in a sober state. Also, I do believe that people who maybe take plant medicine, I do believe it can be a fast track to certain states, but with time, practice and patience, I think you can still get there with other methods. And that's why I'm gonna, I loved this extract that I'm gonna read to you right now. Let me see. Um, let me see what we have here. They learned that the five senses, touching, tasting, smelling, hearing, and seeing, are only a part of the senses they are born with. There are others, call them powers or senses, once known only to a gifted few and to mystics who developed them over lifetimes removed from the active world. The mission of mind control is to train us to awaken these powers. What this awakening can mean was well put by Mademoiselle's beauty editor, Nadine Burton, in the March 1972 issue. The drug culture can have its mind-expanding pills, powders and shots. I'll take mine straight. Mind control does expand your mind. It teaches you how to expand it. It is aptly named because unlike drugs or hypnosis, you are in control. Mind expansion, self-knowledge and helping others through mind control are only limited by your own limitations. Anything is possible. You hear about it happening to others and suddenly you see it happening to you. Wow, that's, that's definitely an invitation to read more. And then another little extract that I found in the chapter about how to meditate this is an incredible thing about meditation as well. It says, something beautiful happens in meditation and the beauty you find is calming. The more you meditate, the deeper you go within yourself, the firmer the grasp you will have of a kind of inner peace so strong that nothing in life will be able to shatter it. I completely resonate with that because meditation has been the rock that got me through some of the most challenging times in my life over the last couple of years. For example, I might have told you about my Bell's palsy um, um, diagnosis in June 2020. That was one of the hardest things I went through emotionally in my life. And I used to, I was meditating um, five or six times a day then. It really, really, it was the thing that got me through it. I was kind of like, I, I was kind of like accessing this inner refuge in my mind and um, trying to heal and trying to learn the lessons from that experience. And also when I was in hospital for 10 days last year, 
um, even though it was a difficult situation to be in, emotionally speaking, I, I just kind of like sat back and and let it happen and meditated a lot. And, and I knew that there were going to be some really valid lessons from that experience rather than just kind of like feeling sorry for myself. So meditation is a, is a wonderful way just to kind of connect with yourself and take a pause from events when you're just in kind of react, when you're being in a kind of reactive mode and uh, letting things happen to you and makes you kind of like ponder and analyze a little bit more and maybe not analyze sometimes, maybe sometimes you just kind of surrender and let things happen. And I'm going to read to you also the list of um, the chapters in this book because it's, it's very exciting and I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to discovering them. So we have how to meditate dynamic meditation, improving memory, speed learning, creative sleep, which is where I am now. And next is your words have power. I'm very interested in that. The power of imagination, using your mind to improve your health, an intimate exercise for lovers. You can practice ESP, that is extra sensory perception. Form your own practice group, how to help others with mind control. And yeah, so how amazing is that? So hopefully I'll be back soon with some extra fantastic mind control attributes and capabilities in by the time we meet in my next episode for Full Moon. And yeah, so that is the Silver Mind Control Method by Jose Silva. Now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation. It's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery. Instead, take a break from whatever you're doing, get comfortable, take a deep breath and enjoy. I live a conscious lifestyle. I lead by example. My lifestyle serves me, my community and future generations. I create new habits with ease. I share my knowledge with my family and friends in a loving way. I respect animals. I choose love and compassion. I live a conscious lifestyle. I lead by example. I am thriving on a plant-based diet. I respect all forms of life. I take care of the planet as much as I can. I spread the message of conscious living in a loving way. I choose love and compassion. I live a conscious lifestyle. I lead by example. I do the best I can to live a cruelty-free lifestyle. I try to reduce my carbon footprint as much as I can. I support local farmers as much as I can. 
I recycle as much as possible. I choose love and compassion. I live a conscious lifestyle. I lead by example. I try to reduce my waste as much as possible. I accept the healing powers of plants and seeds. I nourish myself with the best foods so I can be healthy and full of energy. I choose love and compassion. I live a conscious lifestyle. I lead by example. I am a good example of conscious living. I choose cruelty-free products. I do not judge others who are not as advanced as I am in my conscious living journey. I support companies who strive to make the world a better place. I choose love and compassion. I live a conscious lifestyle. I lead by example. I invest in the world I would like to live in. My lifestyle choices benefit myself, others and future generations. My lifestyle choices benefit all living beings. I respect all forms of life. I choose love and compassion. I live a conscious lifestyle. I lead by example. I celebrate my own power to make choices around food. I love and appreciate my body. I am patient with myself and with others. I choose love and compassion. To find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara. Make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening. Have an orgasmic week and make sure every day is a climax.